We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Jack Ramsey's Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague, everybody telling me to check my muted mic. Let's see. No, I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting green, so hopefully we're good here. Uh, it's Sunday afternoon, a little bit earlier than we normally go. Um, but well, it's not a normal off season. So <laughs> What's up, Brandon? Hey, how we doing? I'm doing good. I'm uh just a, as a forewarning, everybody, my, my wife is currently uh, out and about right now, so I am puppy sitting. Oh, uh, yes. The, the door is open, so yes. you will hear them bark. You will hear them chase each other around. You will hear them go completely insane. Um, but that's just the, the nature of the beast. So, you know. I'm getting excited, dude. I um, For puppies? We're sit- well, puppies I always oh, okay. love. I always B- got B- time B- B- for puppies. Right, right, right. Yeah, we've got, uh, what, T-minus two weeks here until we're getting to, Less to than. that spot. Less than. And um, I, I, I might... Uh, I might come in and maybe sit in with you this week. Who knows? I I hope we know. Do we know? Is that still who knows? Because I need to know. Yeah, I, no, no. <laughs> so I'll I'll be in with Brandon Thursday morning. We'll we'll do yeah. some NBA draft stuff on on ten eighty in the morning. Um, yep. It'll be uh, Michael Keith says, "Ooh, the PTI layout." Not gonna lie, it's exactly where I stole it from. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's, it's hey. what I grew up on, and I was like, you know what? That's that's a rundown style that I like. PTA rundown uh, or PTI rundown. Every single person in media steals that rundown. That yeah. show is one of the more iconic, perfect, game-changing sports shows in television yeah. history. Everybody steals from that show. Yeah. So, hundred uh, percent. That's that's that was the idea behind it. So I, I wanted to do kind of a rundown, but I was like, how do I want to do this without it being overly, like, just intrusive? So, um, this is ultimately what I went with. And I just realized that with this red background on and me with a red hat and a red hoodie on, there's a lot of red going on here. So I got to yeah. kind, of, kind of avoid that going forward, I guess. I'm glad I decided to uh, put the white tee on. I, I almost had a red shirt that I was like, ah, I go a little red today. And yeah. I'm like, nah, I'm going to go with the white. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's just one of those things. Um, we have a lot of really good questions in today. I solicited uh, some uh, on the Jack Ramsey's account, and you guys did not disappoint. You guys no. sent in a truckload of them. Let me pull that up real quick because i just went back on the channel where did it go my goodness you'd think i have a whole stuff prepared there we go um jared calling over at kgw friend of the show good dude um sent in a tremendously good question that i've gotten in some form one way or another that the idea of it like what does a good offseason look like but even more than that 
what's next? And maybe that's getting too far out in front, Brandon, but I, I wonder, like, <laughs> it, I don't want to count chickens before they're hatched, right? But okay. what does it look like? And let's get Jared's exact question here. Let's assume, perhaps foolishly, again, <laughs> that everything goes well this offseason. Ananobi Collins, a solid MLE signing. How good are the players next season? And what's the next step at the deadline or next offseason to go from good to great to contention? How would that play out? When you're putting this all together in your head, what does that look like to you? Well, I mean, uh, let's unpack the first part of this. If, if everything pie in the sky goes your way, you get John Collins for relatively cheap because him and Atlanta are kind of reaching a divorce part of this, and it seems that they are. Mm-hmm. And then you get OG, you solid MLE. To me, and I might differ from a lot of people here, I view that team as a top five team in the West. Uh, if, if we're talking about sure. a healthy Damian Lillard and we're talking about Ant, kind of figuring out what his role is kind of with a group like that. I think OG comes in and pushes Ant as the number two on this team, if not takes it. I'm not mad by that, by the way, and I don't think that needs to be a shot at either player. But in my mind, when I look at the Western Conference, I just don't put a lot of eggs in a lot of baskets. I don't think the West is particularly strong. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll see what happens between Boston and Golden State, but if Boston wins, that's not going to shock me. I think the East is better anyway. But the top half of the West, Golden State, we know they're going to be back. I'm not going to say Phoenix is completely out of it. I think they'll contend at some level. I know some people want to keep Dallas in there, even though they don't have a, you know, a solidified number two with Luka. You could throw the Grizzlies back in. They had a great season. They were the two seed. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of ways you can go with this, but I just don't view the West as particularly deep. And I'm not ready to give the, the New Orleans Pelicans the Western Conference title because they made a play in because Paul George got COVID. Uh, I'm also not ready to put a lot of stock in the health of one Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. San Antonio, not buying. So I just think you look at kind of the the bottom half of the West. I think that team right there, John Collins, OG Ananobi, uh, Ant and Dame, like to me, that's that's a pretty solid four of a five. And then I I guess you'd assume Nurk is coming back. Yeah. Um, That's a top five team in the West to me with a healthy Dame. I I don't. I don't think I can argue with that. I think that's definitely a a really good offseason. And realistically, if the Blazers bring in basically anybody but Jeremy Grant, they anybody that's been named, that's the OG Ananobi, uh, uh, John Collins, Collins DeAndre Ayton, yeah. it would likely be the best move name-wise in prime type player that the franchise has ever brought in outside of the NBA draft. Like that's That's it. Which is kind of crazy to think about that this, this franchise has been so successful without really being able to bring guys in either via trade or via free agency, um, but that still doesn't get you from A to Z, and that's what I think what Jared is kind of uh, getting at is even as good as they I don't disagree I I think that puts them firmly in the top five. Yeah, but the gap between one and five I think is still pretty significant because I think Denver is if they get healthy, is a phenomenal team waiting to happen. I mean, them adding Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray back to that team is, let's be honest, that makes them quite a quite a, uh, a task to take over. Um, Golden State, I think, is showing possibly some weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Draymond, over these last couple of games here in the NBA Finals, mm-hmm. he may be aging out of his role, which is kind of crazy to think, because he looked like he might have been coming back to it. Um. Phoenix, if they lose Aiton, if they maybe move off of Cam Johnson to try to avoid his free agency, like, what does that mean for them? 
you know, I, I, I kind of wonder. Utah, they're very much shopping Rudy Gobert. Yeah, and, and I, I just did a hit in Utah, not to interrupt you, but I just no, no, did a perfect. radio hit in Utah on Friday, and I, I know one of the hosts down there, and he, he's a good dude. And, you know, he asked me a jazz question about Terry Stotts, and I, I straight up said, man, if you're looking for a really good players coach, great offense, Terry's your guy, right? Yeah. Had a great run here in Portland. And he basically responded was like, offense? Brandon, we don't we don't need offense. This was a top 10 offensive unit. Defense is their problem. They used to be a defense team. Now they're not. And I go, well, but if you're choosing Donovan over over Rudy. You're choosing offense. You're choosing offense. So, like, and that's why I don't, you know, name Utah. It's like I don't know yeah. what Utah's expecting, nor do we even know if Donovan, by the way, wants to stay there. I know some people didn't read into his messaging and his what his less than a enthused about what they're doing stuff is shout out caa <laughs> right i know they viewed it as more of a uh he wants the bag and he wants to be the guy but like i i don't i don't trust it the noise has been heavy on donovan wanting a big market for two years now yeah i, I just don't trust the longevity of that situation i told him i thought they should build around rudy because i think what you're seeing in the in the finals and i throughout the playoffs is when you have an elite defense Man, you got a lot of guys in this league that can get buckets, and that's not to discredit Donovan. That's just to simply say, if you're yeah. worried about your defense, why would you be choosing Donovan over Rudy? Donovan doesn't put the effort in on that end the way that Rudy does. No, and I don't disagree. And and I guess it's hard when you've got forty-ish million tied up in Rudy Gobert, as opposed to the Celtics having what forty million tied up in uh, you know total in Time Lord. Yeah, right. um, that 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 definitely. It definitely is a, a bit of a significant trade-off. But, again, this is kind of just sets the table for like where the West is right now. And, honestly, the rest of the NBA, you and I have talked about this really a lot over the last year, the idea of what the... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. This hat is driving me crazy. Screw it. What the... um KD Warriors did to the NBA and like what what expectations were like what a team really looked like right Mm -hmm. and I just don't know if you look at the NBA right now and it's like well I don't I don't know if it's if it's a really a great team or a great place for the NBA right now I don't don't know if um, this that or the other like uh, this is what the NBA used to be like before the Warriors had KD Steph Clay and Dre was that Yes, you would have a dynastic type team, but not something you couldn't overcome. The the Bucks, or excuse me, the, the uh, Celtics could be overcome if Chris Middleton's healthy. The Bucks are likely in this position right now. I think the Bucks are winning the chip if Middleton's yes. healthy, right? So. And that's to take away from from the Celtics, but they they couldn't ha- they could barely hang with the Bucks, who were shorthanded. Yeah, the Warriors, as good a team as they are, are they? They got lucky that Phoenix broke. I mean, yes. quite frankly, I'm not. I'm not saying they look. I, I, I would. I wanted Phoenix Golden State so bad, Danny, just for the memes. But but and look, Luca and Dallas. Like you give them all the credit. I don't think. I think you can say these things without taking credit away. But if we're just talking about rosters as they currently were constructed, you can't tell me that Phoenix isn't pushing Golden State more than what Dallas did. Yeah, and I think Dallas was kind of cooked there at the end. But again, yeah, this, just absolutely. to get back to where where the Blazers are, let's say they, they they the dream scenario comes together and they get Collins and Ananobi, which would be a monster monster offseason. Dame Ant, OG John Collins, Yusuf Nurkic is their their roster. They keep one of Hart or Nasir, Watford, Greg Brown, a second round pick, an MLE, and perhaps the BAE, and then you fill that with with vet minimums. That's yeah. a good team. That's a really yeah. good team. Again, I. Healthy, you've got Dame probably averaging 28 a game. You've probably got Ant at 20 a game. You've probably got OG at 18. You've got Nurk at 14 or 15. You've got John Collins at probably 17 or 18. Like, your offense is otherworldly, most likely. You have, it should be. You have five guys who can go out and get stuff done for you. Defensively, you're still going to be weak in the backcourt. Ant has to show his growth. Dame has to show he's committed on that end. OG can be a, the first point of attack defender you have had since Wes Matthews. John Collins, while he earned his reputation as a poor defender in his first two years in the league, has actually grown tremendously on that end. He's actually above average on, on that end now, which is kind of crazy to think about. And Nurk is passable. Like, you could only play one way with him, but he's really good at that one way. Like, you're going to play drop coverage through 82 games. Now, when you get to the playoffs, eh, things get a little bit dicier. But if you get coverage behind him with with an MLE, like you go get a – a Jalen Smith or something along those lines with, with, with your probably at that point in time, taxpayer Emily, uh, you get a, a vet minimum, uh, big, you know, big break glass in case of insurance, you bring back Eubanks, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're in a decent position, but this is what you and I have been talking about really since February. It's not about just this off season. They do ha- in order to get to the next point, they do have to hit a home run this off season. Mm-hmm. They do. They have to get one of those guys. They have to. Otherwise, the clock's ticking. And not I, just I thought, on Dane, but just, just on yeah. a reset in general. I thought it was an interesting question, and, and, and forgive me, I'll, I'll scroll and see if I can find it here. But I, somebody had asked a question I, I saw through the thread, uh, and I, I want to give him a shout-out, so give me a minute here. But I want to get to the question part of this. That was an interesting question. It was like, 
if you keep the seventh pick, the player, is there, and I'm paraphrasing here, is there basically a point to be made that just taking all this young talent and seeing what Dame and Ant do, re-signing Nurk, and this is on the assumption you swing and miss on OG, DeAndre, John, like you just you end up not having it, right? You don't get those chips. Is there a point that maybe just running it with the young unit, scraping and doing what you can to just make the playoffs, you get bounced early, but you made the playoffs with a young group and Dame. Again, we don't know the Dame timeline here, but you do that, and then you go into an offseason with maybe you have different, you have you have better assets than you thought. You have assets that stepped up because for Portland to get to the playoffs with that situation, obviously Dame would have been playing well, Ant would be would be playing well, but like other guys, I think would break through and maybe surprise you a little bit, right? Whether that's mm-hmm. a Nasir Little, a Josh Hart, like is it basically was if the swing and miss stuff happens. It it may does it really have to be the end all be all of yeah you fight tooth and nail to get to the playoffs you do it and suddenly you have a couple assets that weren't there a year ago that you can maybe dangle over the next off season to kind of build on because there's a real scenario they do swing and miss on these assets that John doesn't go to Portland for a couple bucks that OG goes maybe to let's say I don't know fill in the blank Toronto or or something or he goes to Utah and Rudy goes to Toronto mm-hmm. uh, a scenario I, I just I think it's fair to kind of one of the opposite side of that because again Portland doesn't get nice things for me and so I want to believe we have to live in a world where that conceivably happens if not is the most realistic thing and let's again let's finish the other side and then come back to this the yeah the, the idea of getting all that stuff done they would still have those young guys for the most part, if you're talking about like one of Nasir or Josh, Trendon, uh, Greg Brown, possibly Keon, I would imagine he's probably the capital that would go out in one of these moves. But the flip side is, if you don't use that trade exception by the trade deadline, it's gone. So it's an asset wasted in, in this scenario. And that puts them in a, in a really, really, really bad position. Like they have to find a way to get something with that because part of that deal was to make that money slot open up. And if that slot is is goes unused, that is another asset lost for nothing. And that's where I, I get what you're saying, but I think you can not get that full line of the youth growth. Like if let's say, I mean, Nasir Little's heading into his fourth year. He's heading into his restricted free agency. He could pop, and maybe the Blazers are like, yeah, this is our guy, and he ends mm-hmm. up being a guy, and you flip somebody else on this team, or you 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 go down the route of you've got new ownership possibly in place and you pay the money and you resign him with his restricted free agency you have the ability to match and figure stuff out so i found the question it's from at nerd runner uh, and it here it is exactly is it really a good idea to make a big swing now versus using the seventh pick giving chances to Keon, etc so that we don't sell extremely low on them assuming dame is back and drags us to the playoffs won't that set up better with more pieces or alternatively tell us it's time to tear it down. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. I think that those things will signal though, even without that. And that's. And I think it's better by the way, to answer that question, it's better in my opinion to swing, you swing, you trade the pick. If you can get one of those pieces, but I've told you before, if they if it boils down to, well, it looks like all we're going to get at best is Jeremy Grant. Man, you keep that seventh pick and you take that asset and you hope that you can develop them. 
Yeah, and I, I, I again, like, I think there's a world where they can get Jeremy Grant. I mean, there is a they, they're getting if they want Jeremy Grant, they'll get him without using seven. And that's yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it too. And if if the worst case scenario is that you get Jeremy Grant with your TPE, and then you take number seven, I. I don't know if I'd call that a miss. Maybe call it a double. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, single, a single that you legged out. Okay? Yeah, that's like, fine. I can view it that way. Um, if you could manage to do all of this, well, if you could manage to keep seven, get Grant, and not give up Hart or Little, that's that's a double. Right? I liked your single analogy better. Legged it out. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, Damon Ant could be really, really good. It could be a, you know, what we once saw with Damon CJ at its top. That's entirely possible. I think Jeremy would fit in really well. Plus, if Nurkic stays engaged, like, he's a good player. Not great, not amazing, but he could be a good player when he's engaged. Mm-hmm. You're relying on a lot of young assets and, and youth to kind of take that next step. It could turn in, it could look like a double by the end of the year. But I'm not putting a lot of eggs in the playoff basket. The bar for expectations gets lowered pretty significantly. Like what? Let's say that's what it is. What do you think Vegas says the over under that team is? Because I think it's around forty four. Oh, and I'd say about I'd say forty four. Yeah. See, I don't think Vegas would respect that group. I I think a healthy Damian Lillard. But is, that team last year, just coming into was the forty seven and a half. Oh, but, I don't know if it was that high. I think it was 44. I thought it was I thought it was Let me let me look it up. I'll okay. look it up. I thought it was 46 and a half was, or 47 and a half. But again, I think even last year, I think even if you if you've got a healthy Damian Lillard, that team wins 42 43 games. Yeah, yeah, he fight yeah, he gets them to that point. And that's what I'm saying, like coming into this year, Dame Ant Nurk rookie pick Jeremy Grant, that team wins 40 43 44 games. I I don't think that's that's really too much of a stretch. And I've seen a lot of people ask, uh, this is kind of a comment while you're looking up uh, some yeah. stuff, is uh, I, had these, I had this comment on, on Blazer's Edge on, on the last show, too. There's a lot of people think that, well, what if they got Grant and Collins and you put Jeremy Grant at the three? It's a lot like playing Robert Covington at the three or Zach Collins at the four, as in you don't want to do it. Like, it's just because somebody has the size doesn't mean you necessarily... It was a lot like Larry Nance at the four. It was just like, that doesn't quite look right. He's a small ball mm-hmm. five or a backup five. Like, that's where he's optimized. When you start putting... I know as much as somebody is who's, who's been beating the drum of you want to get more size, size played out of position is almost as bad as too small in a position. Now, yeah. you can overcome some stuff, but sticking Jeremy Grant to the three, who has been basically a four exclusively... His, for the last four years, he says he slid up. I think more to the five than he has at the or down to the three. Like right. he's 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 a little bit he's a little bit different than I think people expect him to be. Like it's, it's like oh he's a long rangey wing. It's like yeah, but he's a big wing. Forty four and a half was the over under. I okay. think the other uh, part of this too. Um, I think the other part of the Grant thing that you're mentioning is. Mm-hmm. How many people, and this is not meant as a shot, but like I think it's a reality. How many people have been watching him in Detroit? If we're being really honest yeah. here, like you're not you're not watching league the- pass on on Jeremy. Grant. No, you're not watching Detroit no. Pistons basketball. So I think you're thinking of Denver. And when we saw him in Denver a few years back, he kind of fit more that mold you're talking about, right? Yes. This Which is why he went to Detroit to get away from that. Yes, he got away from it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go score. And here's the other thing: if you're talking about Jeremy Grant offensively, what makes him good is that he's quicker than most fours. So when you play him up at the four where he should be, he can take advantage of those things because he's got a decent handle. But the second you slot him down at the three, 
Right. He's not slow. He's just slower than most threes. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's like Kyle Anderson, slow-mo. That's slow. But at the four, he can do things that puts other fours in a bad position. You put him at the three, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap, he's screwed. Yeah. So, while, while Grant is not in that same boat, you can kind of think of it the same general way. I think that's 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 would be the way that I would try to put it together. Um, Alex asks, "What's better, the seventh for Collins or the twenty twenty five pick for Grant?" I honestly think John Collins could be available for less than the seventh pick. I, I talked with a dude from Atlanta on Friday on my radio show, mm-hmm. and he thinks, yeah, he thinks that's a possibility. Because I, the folks that I've talked to have all said that the Hawks would jump at seven for John Collins. Like that's, well, I, I, that's, I would imagine they would. That's yeah. peak value. Right. So if, if the Blazers did, let's say the Blazers did send seven for Collins. If they got Collins in 16. I'm in 100%. I think that's probably yeah. about, like, if you're trying to, like, if you're throwing the dart at the dartboard, like, peak value for the number seven pick for return, John Collins in 16. That's is pretty good. Probably right about the sweet spot. Yeah, because um, you could still, depending on what Joe would identify in this draft or how he would view it, I mean, you could still be looking at potentially down the road one of the bigs that ends up falling in this one, draft. One of those bigs will probably end up being there. Like, I, I don't want to say probably because I think Duran's probably gone in the top 10, 11. Williams's range is anywhere from basically like 9 through 20. Right. But, again, there's also you could see a, a Sohan or an Eason fall mm-hmm. or something along like, I don't again I don't think that's likely but Nasir Little wasn't supposed to be available when the Blazers pick like and he fell just, all the way to what 21st 21 24 like, that year was it 24 yeah, he, yeah I mean like he was a lottery pick his agent wouldn't let him work out for the Blazers that was a top 10 player yes. by every estimation going into the draft he was on the stage in Cam Johnson was in the 20s and yes. he went at, at what 11 to Phoenix yeah that's basically what happened yeah. So like you just never know about that stuff when it comes up. But of all the guys that are out there right now, I, I've Collins feels like the one who's the most likely to get traded draft night. Not necessarily to the Blazers, just most likely to be traded. I, I think that's that's that relationship is has run its course. If somebody asks, is the Grant deal basically done? I don't think so, because Detroit has asked for pretty extensive um, returns for Jeremy Grant. Because they're going to start up here before they take... Because we're still... What are we, 11 days from the draft? Yeah, we're 11 days from the draft. Those offers are going to... They're mm-hmm. going to come down. Yeah. And the Pistons, if they're if they're looking at things right now, they could hold out to the, uh, the trade deadline. But at that point in time, then they're losing somebody for nothing if they don't get it done. And they may irritate Jeremy Grant and his representation by doing so. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because when they get to that point, then you're not doing a sign and trade, or excuse me, a, a trade and sign um, type situation where, where Grant would be extended uh, at 28 million. That's and that's why I think the Grant deal is also one of those things that's going to happen at, at uh, the draft night, just based on how it would keep things going, how it would keep guys happy. Um, mm-hmm. Again, not necessarily to, to Portland. That's just again, that's kind of where it goes. Um, Another question we had in here, and again, thank you, Jared. It was a really, really good question because that's one we've, we've gotten a ton of. Um, I got a couple different versions of who are MLE targets. Who, like, I, it's hard to narrow down like what 
Portland or who Portland's going to go after. Uh, I actually closed my tab here real quick. Um, who Portland would go after in the uh, MLE or TP MLE markets, mostly because we don't know who they're going to get right now. Right. And I need to find my free agent. That's always kind of been my, my biggest difficulty. Not that I'm like, Mr. Salary cap guy, but like when people are asking me that question, I'm like, well, I mean, I, I don't even know what the major move is going to be. Is it going to be John? Is it going to be DeAndre? Is it OG? Like, I think a lot of it hinges on what happens in that regard with the seventh pick and what kind of player they get with that. And not just that, just like, you know, how does that all shape up? What does the rest of the market end up looking like? Who gets traded where? Where does that shake something else at? Um, where did it go? Um, and one of the guys we've talked about a ton is is Mo Bamba. And while I'm a uh, early adopter to Bamba Island, it does sound like that he may already be kind of locked in somewhere. New York, baby. The Don't, Knicks. I've heard a lot around a Knicks, the Knicks lately. Um, yeah. And he's from New York. I think he's from Harlem. Um, but I, I know another one that's kind of favorites out there is, is Jalen Smith. Uh, who had the, the wonky contract with Phoenix and was ultimately traded mm-hmm. to Indiana. I could very much see that being a guy that Portland goes after. That makes sense. You're talking about youth. I think he's, what, 23. A lot of size, a lot of upside. He's has shown some things um, as far as like what's going to matter for them long term. The Blazers made an offer to JaVale McGee last year. Uh, I think it was slightly above the minimum or at the minimum. And remember, JaVale played in the Olympics with Damian Lillard. Uh, the JaVale pitch was on behalf or behest of Damian Lillard. Dame wanted JaVale here. Um, I, I think that would be a solid uh, way to go. Um, I think it's very much unlikely that there's going to be a ton of bigs on the market. I can see Boucher getting way above market value because of the the, the – lack of real bigs on the market um, after DeAndre, it's Nurk. Like, that's kind of the pecking order, and Boucher's kind of a quasi-big shot blocker, three-point shooter. I don't know how to really qualify him. Uh, Slow-mo, I can see getting a full MLE. I don't know if the taxpayer mid-level is going to be enough to land him. Mm-hmm. The other interesting ones, I think, that are out there, um, if you're looking for kind of like wing depth or TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb, Again, it all depends on what you have. If you're the full MLE or taxpayer mid-level, obviously the taxpayer mid-level drops you down pretty significantly. Yeah. Um, and it, in that case, like, are the Blazers looking for, you know, vets that can tr- that can contribute, or are they maybe willing to take a risk on some younger guys? Like, are they are they looking to swing a little bit more? Like, are they hoping to, you know, lock down a guy like a I don't know a DJ Augustine to be there or on their on that not even on their on their uh, MLE but like on their vet minimums? Like, what are they looking for to fill out the rest of the roster? And then you can kind of build from there. Um, like, are they looking at like maybe one of the Morris twins? for on their BAE. Like, I think those are the kind of the things like the questions you have to ask are which salary slots. Are Hell yeah. Have. By the way, you, you want one of the more I, yeah, we, we, we haven't had a more, I, a more I type. Ever. I mean, we, we need a type like that. It's been a long time since we've had a player of that caliber. Um, give me six points and a lot of attitude by six points. You mean a complete a hole. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, Let me ask you, can I ask you a quick question yeah, though on this go. stuff? How much of this, um, you know, how much how much is up to Dame? I'm curious about this part of it because Dame is probably his most vocal he's ever been of 
hey, I'm going to kind of be involved with this stuff, right? And there's been a lot of ties to him and Jeremy Grant. You mentioned he wanted JaVale McGee last year because they had a relationship mm-hmm. from Team USA. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious how big or important Damian Lillard's going to play a factor in this stuff in terms of what they ultimately land. Like, if anybody is going to finally break through and and maybe for even a year or two dispel the Portland small market stuff, I, I don't know if you could be asking for a better example of a player to do that than Damian Lillard. And, and it's not to say if he strikes out on OG or, you know, fill in the blank of the big names that it's I'm, Oh, it's Dame's fault. He didn't get anybody, but I'm really curious how much is going to hinge on what his ability is in terms of the relationship department and getting people to understand, Hey, we're building something here. Be with us for a couple seasons and see where this goes. I mean, I think we're already seeing that <clears throat> Dame is having some feedback. I, I have to take turns here with each puppy to give them both attention. Cause I was going to say, they must be jealous. Cause, oh, they, they 100% uh, are. So they yeah. love each other, little brother, little big big sister, little brother. But if one gets attention over the other, the other they get the other one gets very, very, very jealous and starts very quickly. Uh, I mean, they're, I mean, they're little puppies. He's, he's 16 weeks old and she's 16 months, so. Um, little wine bag, love you. Um, but I think we're already seeing that Dame is very much involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, OG Ananobi is a guy that he's friends with. Jeremy yeah. Grant is a guy he's friends with. DeAndre, um, the rumor ran wild, and he posted on Instagram like Dame wants to play with a DeAndre Ayton type. Like it's out there. I'm not saying he's not trying. I'm just more curious. I think he's the most involved he's ever been. Yeah, like I'm curious how what the, what that results in, and maybe it results in a great offseason for Portland, maybe it results in the typical Portland offseason of, hey, we got Kent Bazemore. You know, but I'm I'm still kind of curious where it's going to ultimately land, given how involved he seems to be with the process. Yeah, I... I think... I think that does change some things. And Austin asked a, a good question here. Was getting some contributors through trade on draft night, would it make it easier to convince guys to come to Portland on the MLE? Yes. If, you, if it's the right guys that are out there, yes. Guy, there, are, there are guys in the league that other players want to play with. Absolutely. That's a real thing. And there's other players in the league that other players don't want to play with. And as the Blazers have Damian Lillard now and there's some space and the stylistically of the basketball, uh, John C. Phillips, Joe Cronin, like all of that stuff matters in the sense of who may or may not want to come here going forward. And... The extent of that, I'm really interested in knowing how impactful that's going to be. Because let's, let's say the Blazers do the unthinkable and they land multiple guys. Do you think the, the tone of how Portland is viewed changes? 100%. If you're getting some of the dudes that are rumored, yeah, 100%. They get, it has they, to if they get one of those guys. When for years, for almost 10 years, we were told by the previous management that you can't get guys to come here. Nope. If they can do that with one guy, you're changing how things are. If you can do that with two guys, you are, it's a paradigm shift. Yeah. It is no longer. <laughs> then you're looking at the other guy like, really? And then you're looking at the new guy going, Okay. I mean, I still look back, despite what the new guy may or may not accomplish, I still look at the last guy and go, really? Yeah. I mean, now it would be with, I mean, utmost prejudice. I mean, that would be, yeah, like there's no arguing the point of what that stuff was. So does it change things? Yeah, I think it does. 
How much it changes things, mm, I don't know. And I, I, it's, honestly, it's one of the questions that I have kind of going forward is how impactful is that stuff going to be? Um, one of the things I wanted to address is there was a really good question in here about a lot of and a lot of the questions really in general, like talk, 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 rumors, rumors, rumors. The idea of Portland being in everything, whether it's Brad Beal or Zach Levine or DeAndre Ayton or OG Ananobi or Jeremy Grant or John Collins. In my life, the Blazers have never had a summer like this where they were tied to everything. Mm-hmm. Can, can you think of another time where they were this tied to everything, to every major move that was basically listed out there? Uh, no, no. This is this is the rarity for Portland where, you know, maybe they've been talked about in the past, but in terms of the rumor mill stuff going this hard with them, I mean, I'm sorry. There was no social media in the 90s, the 80s, the early 2000s. Like, this is it for this franchise. They've never been involved in these kind of headlines ever. This is the first in franchise history. And I think you're seeing a lot of uh, reactions to this being the first time. Yeah, for sure. Some underreaction, some overreaction, some how do I react? Like, what's real and what's fake? And there's another question in here. First of all, Colby McLaughlin, is, is this the most rumors we've ever heard about Portland ever? That was one of the questions that we had in here. Uh, Alex, yeah. Alex, at AA lacks one. Do you have an example of how in-depth a front office will go to putting up a smoke screen on a player that they want to draft, trade, sign? I mean, um, an easy one to call out is Neil Olshay used to work out every single one of his, the guys that they drafted. Every, every single one. For, I think it was his first six years or seven years. Every single player that he drafted, he worked out. And then it was, I think it was the last three or last four years. He drafted players he didn't work out. Mm-hmm. But there was a pattern. You could just go, oh yeah, no, they're drafting one of these guys. So that, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Or and he it, signed or traded for him. Seymour Harkless brought him in for the workout like four years later. Mark. Basically everybody he had in 2016, 2017 yeah. in, in for a workout. If they, if That was another thing. Like when I called free agency last year with Zeller and Snell, when it was one of those things where it was like, how did you know that? It's like, well, I, I had a little bit of forcing on it. But number two, like they had Cody Zeller number two on their board in the 2013 NBA draft. Which is hilarious. Wow. Al Farouk Aminu, drafted by who? By Neil in L.A. In L.A., yep. So he only came back really to what he knew. Yep. Uh, we don't know about Joe. We, we don't know how much of this is agent favors. We don't know how much of this is smoke screens. We don't. I, I will just say this. The noise around OG, and I've told Brandon this, came mm-hmm. out. Him and I talked about this in mid-March before we ever started talking about it on the show. Because there were rumblings back then, and I was like, I don't know how much juice there is to this, but from where I got it from, it's about as well-placed as it gets. And then two months later, fast forward, it's like, no, OG has been talked about. And the same thing with Aiden, and then obviously Jeremy Grant, and then Collins recently. How much of that is real? I don't know. We'll know in 12 days. I'm going to look real stupid if they don't land a single one of them. Well, but oh, yeah, I mean, you might you might look really stupid the day of the draft. If they don't land them. But does that mean there's not a trade coming? No, Cleveland, Cleveland had an indicator that LeBron was coming back. They still drafted Andrew Wiggins. Yes. number one. He was and, still the presumptive number one in that draft. But right. The only way that that happens is if they string some things out for Aiden, I think, in my in my my opinion. Sure. But maybe there's a bigger deal. This, this is something we haven't talked about a ton. Maybe the Blazers get 
we, we talk, keep talking about like these these one-off deals, one-for-one one kind of situations, two-for-one swaps, whatever. What we haven't really talked about are the Blazers getting involved in another three, four-way deal. And the, one of the things that you and I have talked about a lot is that this is going to be a really, really active draft day with trades. Because free agency looks very limited and free agency is a week after the draft, it's going to be really interesting to see because if teams want to improve, if they want to shake things up, it's not through through free agency this year. Like it's going to be some changes, but the real changes are going to come via trade. And so on draft night, I would expect there to be a ton of talk leading up to that day. And then that night, if there's 15, 16, 20 trades, I'm not going to be surprised. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about draft picks. I'm talking about players moving sides because Teams want to have the big moves done that night so that they know what the hell they're going to do in free agency. It helps their salary cap space, too, because you sign free agents July 4th. Like, you have about a week and a half, two weeks to kind of have that locked up. And so you you want to get this stuff done as soon as possible. Now, the the conflicting side of that is, why aren't we seeing moves happen right now? Because you're not going to see it until draft night. Because that's that's when the pressure is like, that's that's when you have to make a decision. And NBA executives are not creatures of um the word i'm looking for uh they're not reactionary yeah they are not going to do it until they're absolutely forced to do, because it's, they could eat very easily brandon you know this have these discussions a, an offer could be on the table of seven and heart for og and Anobi. we won't know Let, let's say that that Joe Cronin and Masai Ujiri have sat down it's gone beyond the assistant gms and they're having those discussions they could both still back out. Yeah. And you just you don't know until that moment. And I think that you're going to have, yeah, okay, uh, pull up the money ball sequence. Back and forth, phone call. I need you to stock my vending machine. I, I love that line. Right, right. Uh, but I think those are the things that you're like, you're waiting for that night. And that's what we've kind of driven home is like, let's see what things look at on August 1st. I'm really looking forward to seeing how wrong or right you'll be on OG. Because OG, look. That, I have I, gotten murdered I know, by I know. all of Toronto right now. It's not even close. It's OG is the most controversial one for you. I, like, I know DeAndre would be great. I've said that before. Like, yeah, pay him the contract. I don't care. I take mm-hmm. that all day. But I'll tell you right now, interesting article raised, and I forgot where I saw it, but basically, like, why would DeAndre want to go to Portland? Wouldn't he just become basically what he already is in Phoenix, and my counter to that would be, well, it's a new scenery, right? It's a new, it's a new look. It could be a different situation. You don't have Chris Paul. You don't have Devin Booker, so you don't know what it's going to be. But the OG one, oh, Danielson, the OG one. If you're right, oh, you're going to be so great. If you're wrong, Ooh, you're going to be the I'm gonna get crushed. Muck who does. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're absolutely going to want to crush. Uh, him. Yeah, no, listen, that Toronto fan base. They don't want to lose him. No, it's clear they no. want him to stay in Toronto. That Toronto fan base is rabbiting out of their freaking minds. I've gotten absolutely. more DMs than from any from any fan base ever, and it's yeah. funny because their fan base is whoop. And it, it's not like it's big, but it's not that big. Like I, I have gotten into it with Laker fans over the years who have literally tens of millions of fans. It's never it's never this bad. Yeah. Toronto fans are rabid and out of their freaking minds. But I will tell you this. If if he is traded, not even to Portland, if he is traded, the petty wars that I will have with all of Toronto for the next three months, wah! 
I mean, they could easily respond, hey, man, he didn't go to Portland, but you, you'd still get the ultimate laugh of, but you guys told me he wasn't going anywhere. And listen, what I have said from the jump is, it, I think it's a 50 for 50 chance that he gets, I'm sorry, it's a, there's a, what did I say? It was a 30%, a 33% chance, a third chance that he gets moved. And I think if yeah. he gets moved, it's basically a coin toss between Portland and the field. Because I, I very, very, very much believe that they are trying to drive OG to Portland. Well, then I would imagine OG's a part of that. Like, yes, I think that's the, the thing about this is there's a lot of teams. Not everybody hates the player, right? The player wants to trade. Not every team's like, oh, you want to trade? Screw you. They'll work with the player because it's good to keep relationships up. It's good to be known as the franchise who treats their dudes right. If he goes to Portland, you would assume that OG was kind of driving the driving that, force right? behind it. Absolutely. And there's if you want to look at a couple different situations, they're all very unique. Uh, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, I think LaMarcus Aldridge is very LaMarcus Aldridge and Dame are very, very similar situations as OG and Scotty, where everything was probably just fine and they could be best friends. But the reality is, is two years ago, a year and a half ago, OG was listed as basically Kawhi 2.0. And now yeah. Scotty's taking his shine. You can say whatever you want about an organization. These guys are alpha level, ego filled maniacs. And I don't Definitely. mean that as like a, a, a any kind of a negative thing. You don't get to this level in anything without having that. Mm -hmm. And with that, sometimes comes some fragility in those egos. And it could be nothing that Scotty Barnes did. But OG just was like, nah, I'm not feeling this now. Because LaMarcus did that. And he said he has said a million times, I was too dumb, I was too young, I was too insecure in my own fragility, in my own ego, and I wish I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. And Dame was basically like, hey, I was the wide-eyed you know, new guy to the scene. That and I, I said yes to, to everything. With. Yeah. And I, and I said, yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, it's it, not to blame Dame, but like just to go to show you, like there's a lot of both sides. I don't sides think either side did, did anything wrong. I think both sides were just in a fight. I disagree spot. with that. I, I think Lamar, I mean, we don't need to hash this out too hard, <laughs> but like just using that example, like but you, get what, you, was, you get what I'm saying, skin. though. Like those, yes, those I, are the kind of situations that happen. You look at Kawhi, you look at James Harden. Yeah. Both those guys are, are anti-conflict. They yeah. said, you don't like what I'm doing? Fine. I'm right. One said, I'm going to go to the strip club and eat chicken wings. The other one just sat out and said, yeah. my uncle's going to handle this stuff. Mm -hmm. Didn't communicate. Didn't, and you're talking about organizations with, with the Rockets and the Spurs, who historically at those points were well-run organizations. Yeah. And it's, that's why I keep saying it could be it could have absolutely nothing to do with Toronto or Masai or how well run an organization is. It does not matter. Yeah. Uh, we'll get out of here on this uh, improving the bench. And this is going to kind of come and in, tie into the MLE type stuff. There's somebody in there. I can't remember uh, your name. I, I had it in there earlier, but kept asking for me to predict the, the, the starting 15 or the, the sorry, 15, the, the 15 uh, man roster. I, I'm not going to predict it until after draft day. Uh. I hate those. I gotta be honest. I don't. I don't knock wanting listen, to ask the question. I hate the question. Listen, I, I will do it after draft day when I know, sure. like, which way they'll go with their other exceptions and their their vet minimums. I'll I'll make some predictions on that. Um, but looking at where they are right now, there's just too like they they're, they're missing two starters, and until you know who those two starters are and what they bring to the table. Right. Uh, whether it's a rookie, a vet, or, or in between, or you know they, they swap out Nurk for Aiton and they're trying to fight a way. It's just too many different ways it can go. Uh, but as far as improving the bench, I would imagine that they're going to target, not necessarily in prime, but I think they're going to take some swings on some guys. Blevins. <laughs> um, 
No, uh, unfortunately, he's run out of two ways. So uh, Brandon Williams is the only two ways they have on the roster right now. Trenton's got his deal. Greg Brown's got his obviously his rookie scale deal. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought Mac back. Macklemore. Okay. I'm not mad by that. He was originally brought in because he's he's tight with Dame too. Give me a six six wing that wants to shoot the ball. I mean, I'm all in on it. And he's all, and he's all vibes. Yeah, all vibes. Yeah, like, and he I, li- he liked Portland. He did well here. I thought so. I, yeah. Listen, I had zero issue with Benny Mac. Like if they if they brought him back at a vet minimum, that's like, cool. Hey, three or more games this past season. He won. You and I, you and I both were like, shit. They need to bench Ben McLemore <laughs> because he's too dangerous yeah. to the tank. He he actually won them the one of those two games that they won us. They went two and two and twenty one down the stretch. He won yeah. one of them. Yeah. He had, he had like a 30 point. I think he had like, what, like eight threes or something like that. It was bonkers. Yeah. Um, but as far as that goes, news and notes, uh, there, obviously there are no workouts this weekend. Um, I have heard that the Blazers are going to have workouts, I believe tomorrow and Tuesday. Mm. So actually let me check right. Cause now. we had the last one was Friday and it was the four or five person workout, right? With Eason. Yeah. With Eason. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me check the media availability. So, yeah, the last one was Eason, Etienne, Kirkwood, Lofton Jr., Note, and Batty. And the last I had heard um, was that there would be some again uh, at the beginning of the week. So mm. um, I will not be going to any of the beginning of the week because I have stuff to do at the day job. Um, but on Thursday morning, I'm going to jump in with you, and we'll preview the NBA draft to, from – what, six to nine on on ten eighty. So yeah, that'll be fun. I know you got to get out of here and go do the gambling show. So we'll get out of here on that. Thank you all for being here. Like, rate, review, subscribe, help us grow the show. You can find us on social media at Danny Marang, at Brandon Sprague, at Jack Ramsey's. Email the show jacksramsey's at gmail dot com. Uh, again, thank you for all the questions. Um, it, this is kind of where we're gonna go until draft night. Draft night, we will have a live show. Uh, I believe the plan for right now is we will do the live show, and we will probably go into the second round. And then I, depending on when the Blazers have their press conference, I may haul ass down to the practice facility and see if we can get uh, live from the press conference. Okay. Um, I, that's kind of what we're going to do to kind of figure some stuff out and see how, kind of how that's going to work. Um, because there's usually about an hour between when things finalize because they're making some phone calls, congratulating. They're also going through and doing the, uh, the undrafted guys to, to get training camp invites and summer league stuff all mm-hmm. worked out so um thank you guys for being here uh we will have some uh again once once they make some moves draft night i will be dropping some videos on some guys i'm already grabbing some film together for everybody uh, for all the guys they've been named i'm probably wasting some time on some of this stuff but that's okay uh that i'll have some videos out for you guys and we'll also do uh, a post draft either the day after or the next day um uh, we'll do a uh uh jack ramby's members uh kind of ama uh, live show for you guys to kind of get involved in because I know we've been slacking behind on, on the membership stuff and I want to make sure you guys feel like you're being rewarded for it. So other than that, for Brandon, I'm Danny. Thank you all, guys. Brandon's going to go do his show. We will be back Thursday. 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 I always forget which days they are. So it'll be 6 to 9 a.m. on the fan. Yeah, and then we'll do it again for the live <laughs> show later from 6 to 9 p.m. No, I'm kidding. Um, but well, until then, guys, take care. Talk soon. Have a wonderful day and enjoy the crappy weather. <laughs> <laughs>